hello you are through to the PR department podcast this is your host Katie Braden and it is you I and episode seven it's so weird because I feel like I've done no episodes but done all of the episodes at the same time um I think it's because I post bi-weekly um Obviously, a lot of time has gone by, um, but yeah, I feel like I've done tons of podcasts whilst only doing seven after this one. So there we go. I hope you're enjoying it so far. I'm certainly enjoying myself, which is, uh, that's good, isn't it? Because if I wasn't enjoying myself, that would be uh, a slight issue. So I've gone back and forth a lot about what today's topic should be. Um, I have a few things brewing that I would really like to talk about on the podcast, but today I decided to go for my PR landscape predictions. And what that basically means is I feel like the world, society, culture, social media... PR, obviously being a reflection of all of those things, are all changing so quickly and they're only going to continue to change more. Especially in the past few weeks, I've been having so many conversations with clients specifically and with, you know, friends in my industry about how things are changing and how that affects our strategy our ways of working, what we do, who we target, how effective our work is and what basically from a client perspective they can expect from certain things because I think a lot of them, um, brands especially, are still in the mindset of pre-COVID where the landscape was really, really different than it is now. Obviously because we've had a huge trauma as a society and also at the same time our work culture and the way that we consume completely shifted so obviously that has a huge impact on the economy uh, consumer spending habits and therefore how we create our PR campaigns and how we continue to sell product and you know ignite interest in products campaigns and brands even when we live in a world um you know that's just come out of a global pandemic has a really dire economy and is about to go into world war three so what seems like an impossible task but it's really not all doom and gloom and I wanted to highlight that quite early on this isn't like a negative moany thing at all this isn't like oh PR isn't what it was like no I am a really really strong believer that good PRs are really good pivoters they're really good at evolving and changing as they need to um I mean, since I got into PR, which is like, God, it must be like eight or nine years ago at this point, um, the market and the industry has changed so many times, like dramatically. Like, for example, I remember when I was working in my first ever agency as like an intern slash junior job and they would just give me like the influencer outreach to do because like they needed to do it just to like boost up their reports. No one really valued it. They sort of saw influencers as like second class citizens and they just kind of gave it to the intern like, oh, send five jackets to five influencers you can randomly find on Instagram and I remember I started to get coverage this way and 
when you're an intern um, it's quite unheard of for you to even be given the opportunity to get coverage because the coverage in our job is like the crown and glory so that's sort of like saved for you know the account execs and the account managers to really wow the client like the interns don't get coverage but also it's because they're not in communication with press so how would they ever get that coverage you know it's impossible but because I was allowed to do this influencer outreach as a little like side project that no one really cared about I was then getting coverage that because of the change in landscape was valuable Um, and I remember even like that eight nine years ago sitting in meetings where people were suggesting influencer campaigns and the heads of agencies you know sort of older people were saying no 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 like the client doesn't want that we want to do press focused and then we were having conversations as a team basically saying like we've kind of missed the boat on influencers because we should have been doing influencer events five years prior to that so you know when you think about it in that way We've come such a long way and now there are whole, you know, talent agencies making money off influencer culture and influencer promotions and campaigns. Like there's so many of them popping up. Um, PR agencies are working with influencers probably more than they're working with press these days. And they have to because, you know, the landscape shifts, we shift that's how it works. If I was still flogging the I only talk to editors um, attitude, I wouldn't have a job, that's for sure. Um, I mean, some brands are definitely more into it than others. Like I get some brands who come to me and they are all about influencers. Like for certain clients who I look after, I only do influencer marketing. Like I only look after their gifting. I only speak to influencers and I kind of look after like the digital and social media side of things. But then for other clients, it's the complete opposite and I only do press. Like it really, really depends what the client wants, what they want to take in-house, what they want to outsource. But as a PR, it's important to be able to do a 360 job so you can provide the full 360 package or, you know, one slice or another. So with that being said, let's get into my PR landscape predictions. What I think is going to change, what I think is going to take over, what I think is going to die, etc, etc. And before I start, it's just my opinion. I'm sure many people will disagree with me. Many PRs will disagree with me and that is absolutely fine. I'm just going to have like a bit of a Mystic Meg moment and if it comes true, thank me later. So the first one is that, and I feel... (laughs) I feel bad for saying this, but I do believe it. I think that really big influencers will take over consumer ads. And we're starting to see this already. Like when I say huge influencers, I don't mean like Becky down the road with 5,000 followers. I mean like your Molly Mays, your Charlie D'Amelio's, your Addison Rays, like those people becoming commercialized to the point where brands are using them for their major ad campaigns like we've seen it with Dixie you know she was becoming like the major commercial face for like a fashion campaign we've seen it with Emma Chamberlain who is now pretty much like a face of Louis Vuitton and I feel like she's only one step away from being in a major ad campaign um I think it's gonna be kind of models are gonna be more to the side and it's going to be more about 
influencers, personalities, you know, I say real people, I mean people with a following. And I think that's because larger brands are understanding that these influencers have a huge reach all on their own. So if you, for example, place Emma Chamberlain in a Louis Vuitton campaign and then place the Louis Vuitton campaign in Vogue, you kind of get the prestige and the readership and the association of Vogue, but then you get an Emma Chamberlain reach on top of it. So it's like the best of both worlds doing that so yeah I think that is a really wise move if anyone starts doing that because I said so let me know (laughs) Louis Vuitton if you cast Emma let me know all jokes obviously um so another one is I mean this is already happening so it's not really a prediction but brand and influencer collaborations I think we're gonna see more and more and more and more of these um I think it's gonna turn into like the point where there's gonna be a new influencer campaign like every season and brands are not even gonna bother bringing out a new collection without an influencer face so traditionally brands would like bring out their seasons if we're talking like fashion for example because that's the easiest one to talk about in terms of like drops so you'll have like a summer drop a spring drop whatever whatever so they'll shoot their campaign and they'll have like the models that are the look feel face of the campaign and then their campaign will drop etc it goes out on the website on social media done so I think they're gonna do that still obviously because that's how they work but I think they're going to try and attach influencers to every single drop basically because I think they're learning that by casting an influencer again similarly to the um influencers taking over consumer ads um I think they're realizing that that when they spend all of this money on models shooting campaigns etc they only have the reach of the brand so for example let's say Topshop um what a terrible example Topshop literally just closed let's say ASOS where Topshop now lives ASOS um you know they shoot their campaign uh with regular models and they put it on their social media so the reach of that campaign will only be as large as ASOS if they collaborate with an influencer of course behind the scenes the influencer will take a cut and will need to be paid so this is either in a flat rate fee where they get paid like x amount of money for the whole thing or if they're smart they'll take a percentage of sales so then they'll benefit from the selling of the campaign as long as it sells if it sells out then obviously you get a percentage of whatever is made um so yeah they then understand that if they drop that campaign with an influencer as the face instead of a model you get the larger reach instantly. So very similar to talking about influencers taking over consumer ads. It's all about having, as soon as that campaign drops, whatever it is, whether it's a new collection, new campaign, having that instant reach with the face of the influencer and also the having the influencer invested in the marketing. So when you have an influencer pushing a campaign to their audience, it's kind of like that extra layer of marketing that you wouldn't have been able to do yourself unless you did like a huge paid influencer side of your campaign where you paid a bunch of influencers to promote the campaign but then still not going to promote it with the passion that if their name is on it if that makes sense so yeah those two points kind of like wrap together um the next point is terrifying but 
I really do believe in it. There's going to be more influences than normal people. I said what I said. Um, literally these days everybody is an influencer or trying to be one um obviously we've seen this like really aspirational inspirational if you think so lifestyle of influencers and people are now like it used to be okay that you would just be living your life online like you enjoyed posting youtube videos or whatever that was your passion and then you kind of like blew up and it was kind of by an accident like by luck kind of like obviously you were good at making videos but you gain an audience but I don't think the early influencers really knew that it was going to grow to this I don't think it was strategic I think it was based on the algorithm, based on the fact that they had nice personalities that people wanted to kind of feel like they were joining in with them. Fine. Um, Now it's the complete opposite. Like people are like, I'm trying to become an influencer. So it's a lot more planned. There's a lot more strategy behind it. Like people are actively trying to grow their pages, which I think to be honest in this day and age is really, really difficult. Like the guys who were influencing like 10, 15 years ago, like their pages grew organically because, you know, they weren't really trying to reach these mass audiences they were just putting out their content and the algorithm was doing the rest but now you have to work so hard even as a normal person to like have your friends and family see your content never mind if you're trying to like actively grow a following um I also see a lot of uh content on TikTok around like your normal girls with like 500 followers posting like they are an influencer like going to these aesthetically pleasing places and taking this so-called content to post on their Instagram like I keep saying 10 years ago it makes me feel so like like I'm constantly referencing 10 years ago but that's kind of like where I see it all blowing up so excuse me with that um but yeah 10 years ago like you would go to a restaurant and you would wear a nice outfit just because you wanted to it wasn't like oh I need to get content on the way to the restaurant but now regular people who you know they're not even doing being an influencer as a job they're just like have an influencer mindset so they'll be going to these places they'll plan their restaurant based around if it's aesthetically pleasing or not they'll plan their outfit around whether it's going to photograph well and then they'll make time to create content which I think if you're not being paid to do that is like wild like people like to do it for memories obviously and that's really nice but at the same time I'm like god just enjoy your meal you know but yeah I think there's going to be more influences than normal people I mean now people are classing influencers as like people who have like 2,000 followers like I see so many TikToks being like stuff that I've received from brands this week as an influencer with 2,000 followers so yeah that's why I think there's going to be more influencers than normal people (laughs) I feel like it's already happening um but yeah I mean personally it really puts me off posting on Instagram because I feel like there's this pressure for your content to be a certain standard or a certain quality and like I do not have the patience nor the time to create content in my general life so I'm trying to like make this aesthetic page 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 um but at the same time I'm like failing at it and then I'm like oh my Instagram looks really rubbish But it's like, actually, you're not putting any time and effort into it. So what do you expect, you crazy fool? Um, And also, why can't we just post pictures that we want to post? Like, why is everything these days about growing and numbers and analytics? Like, 
my job is a PR. I'm not an influencer. I don't want to be. Like, it's it's a little bit wild and I could talk about that all day. But let's move on to the next point. So I think thanks to TikTok, we're going to see a huge rise of personalities as influencers as opposed to just being pretty. So I'm not being down on anyone by saying that by the way like I think the girls who are like quote-unquote Instagram models like absolutely good for you like if I looked like that I would be trying my best to make money that way too like good for you get get the bag as they say as the kids are saying but I think now with TikTok like TikTok started out as like oh if you're hot you get loads of followers and like you get loads of likes or whatever but now we're seeing like weird not weird weird's the wrong word but like quirky individual people blowing up and having huge followings on TikTok um you know like the train guy like who'd have ever thought it like there's so many people who constantly come up on my for you page and they're not like insta models like they've probably got tiny instagrams because of that reason but on tiktok they're huge because they're such a cool personality and i think people are really vibing on social media with other people's energies and they're kind of looking past like the instagram kind of like thought era don't get me wrong, love the thoughts, think they're awesome, kind of low-key wish I was one, (laughs) but TikTok is bringing in a wave of personality. I think that's going to be really important and that's going to then filter into what I said about brands, you know, really leaning on influencers for campaigns, becoming faces of like commercial ads. You know, we've just seen um, the train guy and I keep calling him the train guy because I don't want to pronounce his name incorrectly, but he was just the face of, I believe it was Gucci, maybe, Honestly, guys, it's 7 p.m. and me trying to recall what he was the face of is not happening. So we'll go with Gucci. Sorry if I'm wrong. But he was just the face of that. Like, that says it all. He's not a model. He literally posts videos about how he likes trains. But because he's got such an engaged audience, Gucci were like, yeah, he's the one for us. So I think um, all of these points are quite nicely tying together, if I do say so myself. That wasn't planned. Um... So following on again, kind of off the back of what I was saying about there being more influences than normal people, I think in terms of people's PR strategies, so like this is where I come in, I think people are going to start really tapping into micro influencers because especially with platforms like TikTok, it's not necessarily about huge numbers. It's about active community. And you see these pages that are slightly smaller. I mean, I say smaller, they're like 10 to 50k, which is still really, really decent. But in the grand scheme of TikTok are quite small. Um, And they have such an engaged and active audience, like a real like cult following. So I think if you're launching a product and you're not creating a micro influencer strategy, I think there's something wrong. Like this is something that, um skims has tapped into which i think their marketing is quite impressive um so they actually have a form where you can just go and fill in and apply to like be an influencer and they don't pay people they just send gifting which obviously like if you like skims is quite nice whatever but i see a lot of like smaller influencers getting packages from skims and showing it off because they they really love the fact that they're engaging with a large brand like skims 
and you know skims are then getting a ton of promotion from like a wide volume of people so I think micro influencer strategies are going to be big and it's going to be about uh quantity as opposed to quality so it's kind of be like a mass gifting event and then you're going to have loads of small creators creating content and talking about you as opposed to like five top tier influencers if you get what I mean um what is my next point okay so this is about distribution of money in the industry so take the beauty industry for example you have huge huge corporate companies at sitting at the top of the industry and traditionally they've been like your billion dollar companies like big 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 companies I'm talking like Estee Lauder, Coty, L'Oreal these guys who are umbrella companies so like we know Estee Lauder they have their own brand they have their own line but they also own a ton of other brands so that's what you kind of that's what I mean when I'm referring to like an umbrella style company you've got one big boy at the top and then lots of brands underneath and these brands are by no means small like you're talking like the likes of Mac would like sit under one of these big companies like you know you know what I mean I think I feel like most people know how it works these days now in terms of like different corporations owning brands but I really think that smaller brands are gonna start to eat into a portion of the profit from the bigger brands and the reason why I say this is because I don't think people are picking brands based off of heritage and size anymore like people used to shop Clinique for example because it's like supposedly trusted because it's been around forever and like that's probably what your mum used but now I think people are picking brands more like they pick their friends so they're looking at brands and they're thinking okay what are your morals what are your values what do you stand for like do you think like me do you look like my vibe and that's how they're picking brands So I think in every single category now you could possibly think of, yes, there's those big boys at the top, but there's also a ton of small brands who are really, really interesting to consumers. And I think people are going to start shopping small. Well, not start because they already are, but I think there's going to be a growth in shopping small, shopping independent and really buying into these more um you know personable indie brands um hopefully all these indie brands won't get them bought out by like your likes of l'oreal because that is what usually happens and as a pr it's so frustrating like i can't tell you how annoying it is when you're working on this really really cool indie brand and then you get a phone call overnight and be like yeah l'oreal just bought it like you're not working on it anymore (laughs) you're like oh okay um so yeah I think there's going to be kind of like obviously the the big boy brands will always earn their billions but I think there's going to be a slight shift um, in the sense of I think the small brands are really going to take a cut of that. Um, So my next point is remote working Um, and I think this really affects press and both the influencer landscape as well so one thing I've noticed specifically in the UK is that over the course of the pandemic because people were working remotely and working from home there are very very little journalists and people left in London whereas like pre-pandemic it was like you could hold an event and you could get like 10 members of press there because they all lived and worked 
in and around London like that was the common thing I myself you know I lived in London for 10 years was always based there and then during the pandemic I moved up to Liverpool so like a lot of people have done the same thing and now there are really not many press left in London and this has a big impact on um, PR landscape and strategy because you can't just take it for granted that there are going to be people around to come to things like in-person events like from my personal experience like if you're planning an event you better make sure it is damn good because otherwise people are not going to come and you're also pulling from a much smaller group of people than you were before so like it's even more challenging and I know that the pandemic is over and we're all over zoom however I'm still doing Zoom events and the reason for that is so that people who are working at home and working remotely can join and honestly every single time I do a digital event I'm like why are we still doing in-person events because the numbers are just not the same like the influencers who are now so influential and on the same level as press they live all over the country so why would we hold an event in one specific place like in somewhere like the US it works because you have like a group of Miami influencers you have a group of New York influencers so like you can tap into the different pools but in the UK the cities are on such a small scale like Yes, you can tap into London influencers, you could tap into Manchester influencers, but the pool is still small. Like, we are a small country, we are an island. And I think people forget that sometimes. But yeah, I really think, like, working remotely, people are going to continue to do it, and people are going to just be living their lives not in the capital. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen a major difference in my event strategy and my event planning because of that. So it'll be interesting if any of you guys feel the same. Um, I always like try and check in with my other like PR friends because sometimes you, you're you like, is this just me? Does no one want to come to my event? And then it's like good to check with other people like, oh yeah, there's actually no one living here. <laughs> always good to have a little bit of a backup. Um, so yeah, next point. So this is actually my last point, but it is about the role of the influencer And I think with all of the other points that I've gone through, this one makes most sense to put last. So obviously influencers previously, like a few years ago, I'm not going to say 10 years ago, but you know what I mean? The ROI from doing a paid piece of influencer content, so paying an influencer to make content for you, would be sales. So as I said about the whole collaborating on um, a launch and things like that, Um, you know part of that of course is driving a bigger audience in terms of making sales but I think in terms of paid sponsorship so not like collaborations and bigger things but like you know doing a reel here and there I think the return on investment is now content creation not sales um in fairness to influencers like they are really up against it in terms of the algorithm so I think it's like massively unfair especially with how Instagram actively penalizes ads like I've had so many pieces of ad content go out and it's like not got the numbers that that influencer usually gets because it's an ad um you know content creators really suffer in that way so 
you know, when you're dealing with algorithms, you're dealing with constant social media changes. I think it's unfair to lean on them for sales. But I think that should then be reflected in how much they're paid because it's not necessarily advertisement where it still is but it doesn't have as big of an effect as it used to um the return on investment for me is content creation so I work in beauty I work with a lot of product-based companies and one thing that product-based companies really struggle to do is to make like content with people in it obviously because if you make like bottles of shampoo or bottles of nail polish like at what point do you have like a personality if it like most of the time the founder is not like a social media personality to create this content so I think influencers are going to become more of a tool for people to create content with human beings in it um as I said with many of these other points like these are already happening but it's things that I see um getting bigger over time and just because I'm seeing them like obviously it's my job to see them so maybe some of you guys haven't spotted that stuff yet so hopefully that's interesting (laughs) I don't know but yeah I always 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 when I'm talking to clients about paid pieces of content my ROI from the beginning of the pitch is content creation and it is not sales so we're not looking at numbers we are not well we are obviously but the the emphasis is on having the content um so for example if I have like an influencer create a piece of content for a hairspray and then I can then use that content on my own social media I've then got somebody's face on my social media whereas maybe usually my content is just products so like that's the difference um I do think that the price needs to reflect that which I think some influencers really understand like when they're creating something that you know, they're not going to blow it up. They're not going to make a ton of sales. There's not going to be like a storm of people wanting to buy the hairspray, but they are going to support the content and they are going to share it with their followers, um, you know, and help in turn the brand page get content, but also maybe gain some social media traction. I think that's part of it. So yeah, I think the ROIs on things are certainly changing because it's just really unfair to expect influencers to like sell out products especially if you're only like if you're doing like one reel like seriously what's that gonna what is that gonna do like consumers need to see things up to 10 times before they purchase them so they're not gonna see one reel and be like oh my god I'm gonna die I need it (laughs) like you know what I mean obviously some influencers do have that selling power um but that's when they pay you know you pay them for that selling power because they know they're going to talk about something and it's going to sell not all influencers have that power and also kind of moving back to like the smaller micro influencers people who have built their platform as opposed to like being given it it's all very different so I think we're going to have like more flexibility in our influencer marketing hopefully um But that is quite a challenge when it comes to having the understanding from clients because they don't see the industry changes. They just think, oh, influencer, I'm going to pay them X amount of money and then this, I'm going to get sales Um, because that is what has traditionally come before. Uh, So, oh my God, guys, I'm not even joking you. This is hilarious. So I have a notes app on my phone. Oh my God, it's still doing it. Why is it doing that? 
I have the notes app on my phone open when I record my podcast because I make like some bullet points of what I'm going to talk about because I'm a prepared person <laughs> and I don't know what I pressed on my phone it was like my voice activation and the entire time I was talking for like 20 minutes my notes app was dictating what I was saying so I just looked down on my phone and there's literally like more pages than the bible just ran out of me just chatting absolute rubbish well it's not rubbish I hope you don't think it's rubbish I really don't think you would have sat through 32 minutes of this if you thought it was rubbish but you never know people like to hate listen (laughs) me acting like I've got hate listeners anyway (laughs) that is all of my predictions for um PR landscapes in the next sort of year or so things I think we're really gonna see um so yeah if you want to chat ask questions um of course we have the PR department podcast Instagram where you can interact with me between episodes obviously two weeks is so long so I'll be over there always if you have anything to say in regards to these episodes um and yeah see you in the next episode. Bye guys!